the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. As we go into our third hour, it's a delight to do so with columnist for American Greatness, our friend Dan Gilerter. We, we, uh, we, Dan, I got to tell you, we, we, we really enjoy it here when we reach some kind of saturation point. I guess there's no better word for it, uh, which takes place when I get callers who come to me with stories of previous guests and say, you know, I think you might. So I had a caller this week saying, I think you might want to get Dan Galerter back on, da 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 And I said, no worries, we got him Thursday. But Dan, welcome back. Thanks very much, Seth. Glad to be here. I want to do uh, the California governor's race first, but then if it's okay with you, I want to talk about your essay just say no. If America is, in, is to enjoy a new birth of freedom, it starts with those Americans who believe there are some things more important than safety, some things dearer even than life, given what the president announced today. I'd like to spend some time on the concepts in that essay as well, if that's okay with you, Dan. But let's start first with... Certainly. Yeah, thank you. Let's start first with California. A month, two months ago, I was saying, I believe Larry Elder not only has a chance, but his election is likely. And um, someone like you are telling me, well, hold on. (laughs) Hold on. What do we got, Dan? What are the problems we're looking at in California? I have one big problem, which is the RNC not getting involved in this. That's a whole other kettle of fish we can talk about. But tell me about what's going on in California right now. Well, I think your basic assessment is right. Um, it just assumes that there is uh, an even remotely fair election, okay. that uh, democracy is involved at some level, mm-hmm. and that the people are allowed to express their preference for who should be elected to represent them. Yep. I think that if, if in a representative democracy, um, Larry Elder's election is not only but but almost certain, the level of fed-upness mm-hmm. that Californians feel with the current government is unprecedented, and um, it's it's probably higher than during their last successful recall election. So it, it, if anything, Larry Elder would be a shoo-in. The problem is, of course, that in the wake of the 2020 uh, successful election steal, uh, the fact that not only were, were these brazen forms of cheating encountered all over the country in various states, um, they not they were exposed, but they were they were never investigated. They got the tacit nod from the powers that be for obvious reasons. And so, if anything, I think the level of fraud that we can expect to see in the California election will be even worse than what we saw in 2020. Talk to me about the a priori or post-election remedies that are available. I mean, is there if 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 this goes down south because of what you're saying, is there Larry has I've heard Larry Elder talk about, well, we have attorneys on the case, unlike what happened uh, in the previous election. Uh, Are you confident in that or is the California system so rotten that it almost is irrelevant? Well, um, I've actually 
done work for a, a anti-vote fraud organization, um, which started actually just in the wake of last election. And um, on the one hand, we've been great at collecting uh, data and people phone interesting tips into us and a, a lot of them pan out. And um, in some cases, uh, this actually turns into uh, criminal investigations. Sure. And sometimes we get cooperation from uh, friendly, uh, that is, parts of the FBI that are actually interested in enforcing the law, which certainly isn't all of them, but there are some, which is good. And in some cases, that leads to indictments. But um, so far, what we've seen, at least, is uh, I think something probably common in a lot of law enforcement, which is that they tend to pick off the low-level operatives, the people who are actually uh, muling votes around and dropping them in drop boxes, or the people who are actually showing up at people's doors and paying them $10 a ballot to collect their ballots. But uh, the higher-ups, the people who actually make this happen, the people who move money around, um, haven't been touched yet, and I'm, at least not that I know of, I don't think that they're likely to be. And uh, the fact is that with so much of the government aligned with the political party that is interested in expanding government, opposed to the political party, or at least people like Larry Elder, who are suspicious of larger government and want a smaller government, um, it's there's certainly a lot of what Obama would have called headwinds. I'm curious what your position, you're on the East Coast, you're a little bit younger than I am, a fair amount younger than I am. I'm curious what conservatives or what the thinking about Larry Elder is outside of, you know, someone like myself who has known him well as a colleague and is a little bit closer to California physically and kind of spends a lot of time in California. What is the sense of Larry Elder out there? Because my sense is this should have been the guy the RNC emptied their cabinets to help. This is the kind of Republican that we have said we have been looking for. This is the kind of Republican we have been saying we wish would run for office. This is the kind of Republican our party could use more of. It helps settle certain debates within the party about what it is we stand for. In other words, he's really the beau ideal of a candidate if you listen to the rhetoric of our party or the past rhetoric of our party. Is it not a crying shame they've just been kind of MIA? Or what is the sense of Larry out there? Is it making any breakthrough? Uh, I I think – Larry Elder has a, a very positive image, actually, most of the country. Uh, and although he's only recently entered our consciousness on the East Coast, everything that we read about him inspires us to like him. The problem is, although this is this is an interesting point in America, I think we are uh, we're entering a sort of breakup phase between uh, we as the people, we we as voters, we people who love America, and the institutional politicians and bureaucrats who are running the Republican Party, because the the sickness that we view as uh, all the things that that combine together the forces that created the fraudulent election, uh, those forces are operative in the Republican Party as well. And uh, I maintain that the election could not have been stolen successfully without the complicity of the Republicans, not just because they are corrupt, which they are, but because in many cases they just found it more convenient to do nothing because there was less risk to themselves to do nothing, and what they really want is not to serve the people, to, to remain in power. And so the reason I think that the RNC declines to support someone like Larry Elder is really precisely because we, the people, the ordinary people, like him so much. He represents, uh, sort of as Donald Trump did, a threat to the establishment way of doing things. 
a threat to those people who just spend all of their lives amassing more and more power and more connections at the expense of ordinary people. I think that's right. All of that is right and so much more. And 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 I think, too, it's a party that is going to have to start asking itself some serious questions if it wants it, the continued support of these good citizens who do sustain it. The party doesn't make its money from the federal government. The party makes its money from fundraising appeals to the citizens of which – your, uh, in your thesis, they have such contempt for and which is evident in so many examples. Are they doing to Larry what they did to Donald Trump in 2016, just kind of wishing it would all go away? Is that is that kind of their mode right now or is it more like 2020? I think that it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think it, it, we actually have an opportunity to move beyond uh, both the 2016 and the 2020 stage to a place where we, um, I would use this word advisedly, but I would like to say purge the Republican Party of the the corrupt elements. Um, there are lots of people, not just at the national level, but also at the state and local level, who are really aligned with this idea of getting money for themselves, getting power for themselves. Uh, but we know who these people are. You know whether your congressmen are performing well, your senators are performing well. Most of ours are not. And you, you also know or should know this about your state-level politicians. The best thing that we can do is primary those Republicans who are doing a bad job, because there are plenty of us, actually, who would do a better job, plenty of us who simply don't want to get involved because, frankly, we don't like politics. We have more important things to do, we feel, uh, because I think most of us simply wish to be left alone, to live our ordinary lives, to not have to think about the government every day. But unfortunately... We cannot afford to do that. We must get involved because otherwise the power will devolve onto the people who spend all of their time dreaming about it and trying to grab it. Yeah, no, that's right. It will go to the people who are working for it, right? It'll go it, – it just naturally. It, it's, it's – you know, it, we learn this as children with fairy tales uh, and baking cakes. Uh, those who work for it will get the reward. Those who don't won't, and I worry about we who won't. Although I have to tell you, and this is based on a conversation I had prior, I am very encouraged by a lot of those citizens, especially as they are showing up and speaking at uh, school board meetings. But that kind of gets us into the next topic I wanted to talk to you about, your other essay, Just Say No in uh, American Greatness. Can we pick up on that uh, and what Joe Biden is proposing in the context of that uh, with you on the other side of this break, Dan? Absolutely. That'd be great. Our guest is Dan Galerner. He's a contributor to American Greatness. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 6025080960 is the number, portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. Fabulous company, A plus rating with the better. Business Bureau, a company I know well. I visited them at their headquarters. I have used them as a customer. My friends have used them. They are a great company with skill and honesty through the roof. But for all your roofing needs, that's who you want, whether it's a replacement, whether it's a repair, whether it's an inspection. And they want me to let you know that if you have a flat uh, a flat roof, foam roofs are something you should consider. They excel at that and every other kind as 
well. Give them a call at 480-483-1775. That's Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. 480-483-1775 or tradesunlimited.com. Our guest, Dan Glintner from American Greatness, uh, just say no. In Great Britain, you write, the National Health Service built an app that pings people who have been near a person with a positive COVID test and requires those people to leave work. Last month, the app was pinging more than a half a million people every week. And Boris Johnson, a conservative by name anyway, his spokesman said the app is doing what it's designed to do. Today, the president said in the United States, Dan, that if you're a company with 100 or more employees, not a federal worker, but a private employer that employs more than 100 or more people, we are going to force that your workforce get vaccinated. Now, this is a turn from Joe Biden's earlier statements. There would not be a vaccine mandate any more than a mask mandate. We are now in the world of mandates. Um, just say no. How do you think of this now, Dan? Well, the um, the way the government operates uh here in Britain, and any government really, because any government is a tyranny in the making. It just depends on how much power it can get its hands on. But the way the government operates is to take power incrementally, one slice at a time, what what the brilliant TV show Yes Minister in the 70s called salami tactics. Right, salami and tactics, so if, right. If we'd uh, looked at, uh, I mean, look at America, say, back just after, um, in, in the late 18th century, around the time of the Revolutionary War, if you told us, all right, we're going to have a government here that's going to tax 30 or 40 percent of all of the income that you make, so you spend a third of your life working for the government, um, and uh, if you refuse to pay, we're going we're gonna to lock you up uh, in prison, we would have said no and had a revolution, and that's actually, of course, what we did at the time. Uh, and so the, the government was was not able to just slap things like a gigantic tax rate or any of these other uh, threats to freedom on us all at once. It ha- happened incrementally. First, they had the idea of taxing only extremely wealthy people and only 1% of their income. But then they thought, well, it's, it's not, not too bad if we just lower the, uh, the bracket in which people get taxed at a little bit and we raise the tax rate a little bit. And they do this every year for a couple hundred years, and then voila, here we are. And they can do that with anything, of course, not just with taxes and finance, but with control of every other aspect of your life. Even things that we accept uh, completely as, as a normal part of our existence, like uh, having to, uh, to take a driver's license test that the government sponsors in order to be able to get a car, and then having to register that car with the government, being required to have insurance for it, if you want a pistol permanent in this country, uh, in some states you can't really even get one, but even where you do, you're required to have your fingerprints taken as though you're a criminal. These uh, encroachments are continual and come from all angles, and this uh, vaccine mandate or the attempted mandate is just the latest part of it. But there is there is a way to fight against it, and that goes back to the, the subject of my piece, which uh, refers to uh, a brilliant speech that Churchill gave yep. just before the Second World War, uh, in which he said, Alexander the Great remarked that the peoples of Asia were slaves because they had not learned how to say the word no. Mm-hmm. Let that not be the epitaph, he says, mm-hmm. of the English-speaking people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let that not be the epitaph. I worry about epitaphs here. 
Uh, I worry about this sentence. You probably are f- uh, friendly with or know of the work of John Hinderocker over at the Powerline blog. And he was reading what the president was proposing today and then this haunting sentence he wrote, which was, I don't know how any of this is constitutional, but then again, I don't know if I live in a country with a constitution that matters anymore. That's a haunting proposition, but not really hyperbole. Yes, the um, the government does things that are unconstitutional all of the time. Uh, I had a piece yesterday about judicial review, uh, and the the Supreme Court, of course, stole the ability to declare laws unconstitutional, and they tried to justify it within the framework of the Constitution, but plainly it's not there. Uh, the The fact is that the government is going to continue to behave in an increasingly aggressive way, and if they break the Constitution, they don't really care because they are approaching a monopoly on, frankly, a monopoly on violence, which is what the government needs in order to be able to enforce all of its dictates. It needs to be able to cow everyone into submission with threats of, for example, being locked up in special prison for the January 6th protesters and so forth, uh, threats of being fired from your job if you don't get the vaccine. Uh, as long as it can mobilize all these forces against you, it feels that it's in the driver's seat. The, the good thing is that the government is clearly not as secure about their position as they would like you to believe that they are. If they felt secure, they wouldn't need all the barbed wire and all the soldiers in Washington. They wouldn't need to throw everyone uh, that was at Washington on January 6th in these special prisons. They need to do that because they want to try to bully us into submission, but they still clearly retain some fear of the ordinary American, Uh, and that's what we have in our corner. The fact, frankly, that we are still able to organize ourselves, at least to an extent, and even as individuals to say no to these things, to say, no, I'm not going to be forced to get a vaccine. It's my medical affair, none of your business, and things like that. I think that as the government expands further and further beyond the realm of what is constitutional, it falls to us more and more to say we are not following these mandates. We're not following these unconstitutional laws. We reject them. We reject you. When, when the Pope, uh, when John Paul II was Pope, he liked to point out that be not afraid was the phrase most oft repeated in the Bible that he liked to remind people of. And there's there's a wonderful sentiment behind that, of course. It also used to be true of large swaths of America, if not the majority of America, a country that 20 years ago said let's roll and held it together for a few months, actually. <laughs> actually did, um, has gone from a country of let's roll to let's crawl up in a ball and hide under the bed. Might you, on the other side of this break, talk to me about what's transpired in this country to move us so rapidly from those diametrically or paradoxical positions? Absolutely. I'm Seth Leap. Thank you. I'm Seth Leapson. He is Daniel Dan Galerter. He is a contributor to great website, American Greatness. Just Say No is not his most recent piece. It's not his penultimate piece. It's his anti-penultimate piece, actually. It's his third most recent piece. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back, indeed, and 
Thank you to Cool Touch, portions of this show of which they sponsor. That is not an English sentence. <laughs> I want to thank Cool Touch for sponsoring portions of this show. It is the air conditioning plumbing company I use. It is the company my friends and family use. For all your air conditioning needs, you want to check out Cool Touch air conditioning, heating, and plumbing available to you 24-7. Yes, indeed, even on Saturday nights, as I learned. They'll be right there for you. They also have a new AC system they want me to tell you about, which stops the continual surges needed that are huge drags on your power bill when your AC unit turns on and off to maintain the temperature that you want. Instead, it's as if a dimmer switch were on the unit that allows it to maintain the exact temperature you want without those power surges. And they're offering a $2,000 rebate on that system right now if you're interested in it. But for that or any other system, Cool Touch AC Heating and Plumbing at 623-734-1932 or CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. Dan Galerner is our guest columnist for American Greatness. Dan, you were talking about the strength of America, the intestinal strength, the intestinal fortitude, the will uh, to the will to say no, or the will to justify and stand for our individual rights. And it seems like they have never been at more discount, or that will has never been at more discount than right now. You in your essay, you, you, you point to a great speech of Churchill's, the 1938 um, speech, uh, the Freedom and Peace speech, right? That's what it's also known as, I think. And he talks early on in that speech about how Europe should be more like America in understanding the dangers that are coming our way. Um, right now, it appears that America is becoming more like Europe. And I really, Dan, am having a hard time understanding outside of our education system how that came to be and how it came to infect so many of our once strong institutions, like, in fact, the NFL. Yes, I mean— uh, Or the U.S. military. It, it, how about that? Let's try <laughs> even the U.S. Let's an even harder case, right? Uh, don't get me started. I've got a, a column coming up about uh, the procurement fraud in the okay. U.S. Navy, uh, which is really <laughs> sickening. Uh, but uh, the, the fact is that uh, Europe and America are in this sort of symbiosis where they're always 10 years behind us in terms of uh, fashion and clothing, and we're always 10 years behind them in terms of leftism and fascism. And so if you want to see where, where we're headed, it is reasonable to look at Europe and the things that they are trying there uh, will eventually wend their way over to us. Maybe it will take a little bit more than 10 years, but people will, will try it there. Things like the, uh, the gun registries uh, in, in Britain, they've been trying to do that over here for a long time. Uh, people were called conspiracy theorists in America when they said uh, this could lead to a vaccine passport. They said, no, 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 don't worry about that. But those are actually a thing now in Europe, and they're trying to make them a thing here, too. Um, however, I don't think the situation in America is as dire as we might think. Good. I think, as, as a matter of fact, there is ample cause for hope, because you have to remember that the the wrong side has all the big platforms. They have all the loudspeakers, but that doesn't mean that the the substance 
of America is actually any different than it always has been. They controlled the government and wield it as a, a whip as perhaps never before, as obviously as never before. And so that's a big platform. Now they control uh, the written media, and by and large, they control the uh, the mainstream media. And, and now we have this new category of social media, which has gone further perhaps than uh, even the editorial board of the New York Times would have liked in terms of censoring American opinion. And the goal of all of this is to make Americans feel that they are alone, that they are the last person who has the opinions that he has. They want you to think, uh, you like freedom, you like individual initiative, uh, you like intestinal fortitude, but you're the last one in America. That's what they want you to think, but it's not true. And the fact is, more than half of this country at least, uh, I think a lot more than half of this country, still loves America and still loves being an American. Now that's their challenge. The government is going to try to undermine that. The left is going to try to destroy that. But I don't think they'll succeed because there are simply too many of us. And the important thing is to know that there are others of us around, that we are not alone, that we're part of a large community, in fact, the largest community in America. Well, I learned not to continue past the highest note. Dan, that's a great note to end on and optimistic as well. Bless you, sir. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your writing. Thank you for your brain. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thanks for having me. Dan Galerter. Uh, we were talking about his pieces at American Greatness, Just Say No, but also his pieces on the California recall election. Uh, he had a couple over there, and I can't wait for his next one. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Just looking at a clip here. I didn't have a chance to get it to you, Bill. I think we can get it from here of the president today. Oh, my, is how Ariel Davidson puts it. Yeah, if you hadn't heard this clip, let me play it for you. Bear with me. If they'll not help, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Wow. Wow. Or as Ariel Davidson said, oh, my. Oh, my. I will use my power as president to get them out of the way. Hmm. Wow. It, it, it boggles the mind. Enemy of the state is what Nancy Pelosi called Donald Trump. Enemy of democracy, constitutional crisis. Those are words she and Jerry Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, have used for Donald Trump. Declaring a war against the media was, of course, a big problem that CNN pointed out to until they realized that they had more access to that president and more honesty from him as a result than this one. And it was kind of a little, shall we say, precious, listening to Kamala Harris campaigning for Gavin Newsom yesterday on women's rights, just as her administration reversed tens of millions of women's rights in Afghanistan. Under the tutelage of ministers in that new government that we sent there. Ministers that we sent there 
that we once had in prison. Ministers of defense and information that we sent to Afghanistan, that ended up in Afghanistan, so that we could get back Bo Bergdahl, who deserted his post and cost the lives of six Americans looking for him. We released five detainees for Bo Bergdahl. Four of them are now in this new government that will make women's rights look like a horrible joke. The seventh circle of hell, perhaps. While we have a president who is threatening to go after governors, who by dint of their own expertise and legal counsel believe that vaccine mandates are the purview of the state and not the federal government. Based on a fair reading of the Constitution and based on Supreme Court precedent going back to before World War One, the same precedent, the same case law that is cited today, the same case law that is cited today when governors and state and local entities do engage in the various mandates they've engaged in. Those Supreme Court cases, though old, are not any longer, excuse me, are not still precedential. They are. They have been used. Now, whether they'll be thrown out or changed, I don't know. John Hinderocker's words are the most frightening I have read today, which is this should bother people in a country that has a constitution, but we may not be a country that has one anymore. Thinking about strong institutions or once strong institutions, as I was with Dan Gilernter, who have fallen institutions that have fallen to woke calm. Let's look at the NFL, which starts tonight. Tampa v. Dallas. Tampa Bay v. Dallas. I asked my uh, sports, um, sports expert in resident, my producer Bill, about it, but he, being a good American, won't engage in subjecting himself to the propaganda that you get at the NFL. So then I said, well, at least, I mean, if you're a political person, you got Texas and Florida. Who do you root for? <laughs> I hope they both win. Tampa Tallis? <laughs> they got the two liberal cities there, so it's kind of a toss-up. But Paul Marengoff writes that he is not among the Americans who feel like the kickoff season tonight is an early Christmas. He is not among them. He writes, the NFL has decided to preach to us during games, and its preaching, of course, is BLM-themed. Until recently, the NFL was probably our least woke major sports league. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case. What you want to say? Hockey, probably? The NBA, typically the most woke uses its bubble end of season last year to promote BLM themes relentlessly. 
This ensured that I wouldn't watch any pro basketball, and I think many conservatives also boycotted televised games. However, this year the NBA decided largely to avoid politics during its telecasts. It's true. During the uh, finals, the NBA finals, it seemed to have all disappeared, which I took to mean good. We got rid of racism in America because if you are going to want to address racism in America and stop it, what you do is you say, don't be a racist, and you put that on your courts. Or you say, Black Lives Matter, and you put that on your courts. Major League Baseball ball was also chock full of propaganda in its shortened 2020 season. But the NFL, the NFL, they're going back to BLM. And if the NFL's in-game sloganeering is as widespread as I think it's going to be, and as Paul Mirengroff points out it will be, viewership may plummet. I hope that's the least worst thing that happens. Truly. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Thanks for spending some of your day with us. We'll have a uh, what I hope is an important show for you tomorrow uh, on 9-11. Um, it's anniversary. Commemoration really is the better word, I think. Um, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll have Wilford McClay. I'll share with you my thoughts. You know, a lot of people say, what do we teach our kids? There's an awful lot of children, young adults who have no memory of 9-11. An awful lot. Tens of millions. And I'm in a give my do my best to give you the broadcast at least in the first segment first hour i'll say first hour i'm going to do my best to give you a show that you can use to teach them about 9-11 i don't really like most of the curricula i've seen speaking of curricula we could all use a little more churchill right now dan galanter was right to bring it up just as we could all use perhaps a little more old-fashioned right now, as Captain America was told, right, in the Avengers. That speech he gave in 1938, Churchill's, it really was more than anything, though he gave it in London, a, a speech to America, meant for an American audience. He concluded it this way, keep it in mind, keep his words in mind as you think about COVID, as you think about Afghanistan. He's talking about the toll of all the news and the threats he says, is this a call to war? Does anyone pretend that preparation for resistance to aggression is unleashing war? I declare it to be the sole guarantee of peace. We need the swift gathering of forces to confront not only military but moral aggression. The resolute and sober acceptance, the duty of the English-speaking people and all the nations great and small should walk with those who can confront moral aggression as well as military. Their faithful and zealous comradeship would almost, between night and morning, clear the path of progress and banish from all our lives the fear which already darkens the sunlight to hundreds of millions of men. Let's stop the darkening of this sunlight, and let's remember we are a beacon on a hill. We are a city on a hill. And our light shall shine brightly and not darken. Until tomorrow, bless you all. Class dismissed.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.